Welcome to another installment of Dry Bones, Rattling the Foundations of a Generation. I'm your host, Matt Mosley. Today we're going to go solo and I'm going to share a little of a story about a boy raised in the deltas of eastern Arkansas and eventually how he got to be the old Sasquatch you're listening to today. But first I want to take a moment and thank a few folks. My First, my wife, Hannah. Thank you for always believing in me and spurring me towards this goal of self-awareness and sharing my beliefs and thoughts with other men. My kids, all six of them, Lannon, Avery, Olivia, JD, Gracie, and Bo. You're all Mosley's in your own way. My parents, who are both passed on, who brought me into this world and more than a few times threatened to take me out of it again. They never gave up on me or my calling. My baby sister, Amanda. While we haven't always been the best of friends or seen eye to eye all the time, we love each other more than anything and know that if someone steps in correct, the other one will be right there in a moment's notice. And to all the ones that have prayed, stayed faithful, maybe fell away, maybe got left behind or passed on, this story doesn't happen without each and every one of you. Never discount the impact that you can have on a person's life. Today I was preparing for church and and I was listening to the Unashamed podcast on uh, Blaze TV and and Jace Duckman said something, Jace Robertson, I call him Jace Duckman, but Jace Robertson said something that was really poignant and it really hit me and got me to thinking. He said, you know, how often do we go back and visit our spiritual graveyards? Don't know what I mean? Well, settle in and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own personal spiritual graveyards and and how it's been important for me and markers in my life to go back and visit those things. But first, I want to read some some scripture to you. Acts chapter 8, verse 25. It's the story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can describe his generation? From his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with his scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him there. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Astos, 
And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now you might ask, what does that have to do with spiritual graveyards in my story? I guess the best place to start is at the beginning. You know, I was born January 16, 1979, Memphis, Tennessee, a son of the Delton, born and raised in eastern Arkansas. You know, my family wasn't rich. We weren't poor. And if we were poor, we didn't know it. We had a house. We had dogs. We had cars. We had food. We had clothes. But most importantly, we had love. My mom and dad both worked. They both took care of me and my sister. My sister came two years after I did in 81. We went back and forth between Texas and, and Arkansas a couple of times as a kid. But there's a story that my mom and dad used to tell of when I was two or three years old. I uh, apparently, uh, I was a pretty mischievous toddler. Uh, I had left the house more than once and wandered down the street on a Sunday afternoon when mom and dad would go to take a nap. But this one particular day, uh, mom said that I climbed up on the back of the toilet tank and got in the medicine cabinet and uh, I took a whole bottle of Tylenol. I thought it was candy. And when my mom and dad found me, I was unconscious. They took me to an ER, I believe it was in Mount Pleasant, Texas. And the doctor told my parents, they said, there's nothing we can do for this child, he's gonna die. And my dad, being the believer that he was, and my mom, being the believer she was, they, they wouldn't accept that as fact or gospel. Uh, them and uh, orderly and a nurse gathered round, circled up, prayed for me, laid hands on me, and then proceeded to pump my stomach. Uh, needless to say, I survived. I'm still here today, 42 years later. But, uh, you know, it's that faith uh, of my folks in giving me back over to the Lord. That, that's, that's the thing I think that has, has held me grounded my whole life. You know, you go forward, you know, several own years up down the road, another 10, 12 years down the road, 14 years old, in a, in a daycare center, standing as a church and feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit on my life and, and feeling uh, Christ speaking to me uh, in a real way, something that I'd never, a tangible way that I'd never felt before. You know, it's, it's another one of those markers. It's kind of like that unit going back to that water spot in the desert. You know, if, you, if you've ever been to the desert, you know the waters are really, really scarce. You know, I've spent time in West Texas. I've spent time out in Arizona and New Mexico in my life and in, in, in western Colorado too and, and water is, is, is something that's precious it's not something you see very often large large pools of water when you're in the desert so you know that's why I think that this this kind of applies to this whole spiritual graveyards thing but uh, so going to tell you that you know I, I got saved when I was 14 years old but I really didn't understand what it meant to be saved you know I, I, I went through the the motions of the, the spiritual, uh, emotional side of it. Felt like I was saved, but, you know, sadly just didn't understand what it meant to be a saved person. You know, I really wasn't, it, no, you know, not, I, don't, I don't want to blame anybody or, or cast any aspersions on anybody, or, you know, but uh, I, I really wasn't discipled much. You know, I wasn't taking a side and saying, hey, this is how you read the Bible. This is how you pray. All the things that are important for a new Christian, especially a teenage Christian, 
Um, didn't really have a strong youth group. Um, you know, went to a, to a small Nazarene church. You know, my pastor today is a is a Southern Baptist guy, and, and he would he would tell me that was my problem from the get go. But you know, it's one of those things that you know I just didn't know any different. So uh, you know, I kind of stumbled through life for a while. You know, going back and forth. You know, from the altar to the to the sin barrel, I guess as you want to call it. You know, I, I always look at sin kind of like an apple barrel. You know, the deeper you reach, the colder the water gets. But uh, it's one of those situations where I just kept going back to that barrel. I just didn't know how to get out of that routine. And uh, the same pastor I was talking about a while ago, he, he told me one day, he said, Matt, he said, you've got to get off this bipolar roller coaster of a Christian. He said, you've got to get to some sort of a level playing field with the Lord. And at the time, I didn't really understand what he meant. Um, you know, I, I, going through life, you know, I read a lot of books read the Bible front to back. Uh, I've been to churches. I've sang in quartets. I've sang in choirs. You know, I went to a seminary school for several years. You know, I was trying to do everything that I could do possible to make myself acceptable to Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until a, about a year ago that I realized, about this time last year, when COVID hit and everybody shut down and everything come to a crawl, I had to really get serious and deal with my spiritual just deadness. Um, I had to I had to understand that even though my head and my heart are 18 inches apart, I didn't have a good understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. I didn't have a good understanding of what it meant to be um, God's man. I didn't understand what it meant to have a calling on my life that meant I needed to speak out to other people or I needed to reach out to other people. But you know, it, 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 this last year. God has revealed himself to me in such a real and, 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 and impactful way. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's been perfect because it hasn't. But what I can tell you is, is there's more good times than there are bad times. You know, God has a way of using, you know, these, these, these stressful times in our lives to get our attentions. You know, when somebody dies, you know, common culture says... You know, you let them lay for a couple of days and you have a funeral and you put them in the ground or you cremate them and spread their ashes. And, and that's where I'm kind of going today is this, this whole idea of spiritual graveyards. There are certain places in my life that I have to go back and visit from time to time to remind myself that I am not that man anymore. Okay? And, and, and I'm going to get real with you for a second. My, the man I was before I came to know Jesus, and I mean really came to know Jesus in the last year, was not a good man. I was a wretched man. I was a violent man. I was ill-tempered. I was unhappy, you know, you know, and I make no bones about it. I've dealt with depression and anxiety my whole life for a lot of different reasons. You know, I go to a therapist. I'm not ashamed to say it, guys. If you're having thoughts of depression or you're feeling bad or you just don't feel like yourself, it ain't always a Holy Spirit heart issue. Sometimes you just need to go talk to another person. You know, you need to have a real conversation and be able to get whatever it is you're carrying off your chest. Sometimes that's your wife, sometimes that's your pastor, sometimes that's a therapist. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, one of the things that I try to do is take my mask off and let people see who I really am because, man, I lived behind a mask for 41 years of my life and I have made a decision I'm not going to live behind that mask anymore 
people are going to see the real me. For better or worse, they're going to see who I am from my core. And when they see me, they should see Jesus Christ. They shouldn't see me, okay? But that doesn't mean I don't struggle, you know? But, you know, going back to the story, you know, um, bounced around, you know, lived in several different states, got married young, had young children, ended up divorced. I was not a good husband. I didn't know how to be a good husband. I didn't know what it meant to be a godly father. I didn't know what it meant to be a godly husband. I had, you know, some people around me that I, you know, use for example, but I didn't know how to live it out. I didn't know how to not be selfish. I didn't know how not to be a violent man. I didn't know how not to be verbally abusive. Uh, you know, it's, it's all the things that, that in my sinfulness, I was I was perpetrating on my ex-wife. I was, you know, in a way perpetrating on my small children. Um, thank the Lord that I'm saved. Thank the Lord that my children, you know, I've been real with them and honest with them. They know what happened with me. They know that their dad was not a good man. I don't want my boys or my daughters to be that way. I want them to be better than me, but I don't hide it from them either. That's a spiritual graveyard in my life. And it's a spiritual graveyard that I can go back and look at and I'll go visit from time to time and not visit in a reminiscing kind of way, but to visit and go back and say, I don't live like that anymore. I'm not that man anymore. Now, that guy can come back, you know, you wrong my children, you, you hurt my family, you know, that guy, the flesh man in me can come back most definitely. Folks that know me or uh, have played sports with me or played games with me know how competitive I am. But they also know that, that there's another side of me that, that, that is not that guy, that is not that violent man, that is not the guy that gets mad and can't control his temper and put holes in walls and tear doors off hinges and scare people because he's six foot six, 350 pounds. There's that, that 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 guy don't exist. Now that guy's still there, just because just because that guy doesn't exist does not mean he's not there. He's just he's just he's just chained down. He's chained to the cross, plain and simple. Jesus Christ, I nail him down with Jesus every day. God don't let me be like that man. That's my prayer every morning. Is God don't let me be that man. Don't let the the enemy push my buttons to be that man. You know, you move forward in my life. You know, I moved back to Alabama in 2007 uh, after my divorce, 2007, 2008. And some of it was for selfish reasons, but, uh, you know, I think God had his hand on it, even though I didn't realize it then. I, I believe now, looking back, God had his hand on my life for a reason. He got me out of, a, you know, I was I was in a bad situation. I was out of work, and uh, I needed I needed to go home. You know, I needed to, I needed to be around people that love me. I needed to be, you know, as much as I needed to be around my children, and I, and I still am around my children. Uh, love my kids, love being a father, but I really needed to figure out what kind of man I was going to be the rest of my life. And so I moved back to Alabama and, and, and had to kind of put my tail between my legs and humble myself and move in with my parents for a little while, and then I met met somebody that changed my life you know I met my second wife Dina and when I met Dina uh, it was it was it was God's hand no doubt on my life because I was lost I didn't understand you know I was kind of floating through life I wasn't uh, 
focused on anything other than being selfish. Uh, I didn't understand what it meant to be a father. I didn't understand what it meant to be a husband. I didn't understand what it meant to be a friend. And, and she saw something in me that, that I didn't see myself. She saw a, a person that had ability. She saw a man that had a heart. She saw something more than just the Sasquatch that some folks see me as out in public. You know, this big hulking, you know, terrifying looking human being walking through the world. You know, if you could imagine what Paul Bunyan looks like, you could probably imagine me. I mean, I've got the beard and, and, and the big body and everything else, but she saw something in me. You know, God spoke to her in a real way and, and we started dating. And it wasn't long after, you know, probably six months we were engaged. And about six months after that, we were married. And two families became one, you know. And it wasn't easy blending two families together. You know, my kids weren't with us full time. Uh, they they lived with their mom in Arkansas. And, and, my, and, and Dana's kids lived with us here in Alabama. And, you know, we enjoyed our family times together. But... You know, in 2014, we were throwing a curveball. And that's that's something that happens in life. You know, we were going to church. We were doing all the things that a Christian family was supposed to do. And if you looked at us from the outside, or looked at me from the outside, you'd think, man, that guy's got it all together. You know, the Lord's working in his life. And I was teaching Sunday school and speaking in men's groups and and coaching football and peewee and, and, and coaching basketball at church and doing all these great and wonderful things. But on the inside, I was still the same miserable case that I was when Dina first met me. And, and a lot of it, guys, was because when God puts a call on your life, he will make you absolutely miserable until you just finally cave and say, yeah, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I can't live this way anymore. So I tell you all that. So, so Dina in December of 14 or November of 14, she got sick and Dina had had a rough life with her health had had cancer several times as a child and, and different things. And we found out she had a heart condition and she went in for open heart surgery. And, and, and the Sunday, I'll never forget the Sunday before, um, our pastor's wife asked me to sing in the, in the contemporary service, a Christmas song. And. And I sang a song called Merry Christmas by Third Day, and it's one of my favorite Christmas songs, but it speaks about an orphan child being left in the rain and, 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 and how we're to love the least of these. And, and, and to be honest with you, in that moment, man, I, I felt like the least loving person in the world. And, and at the end of the service, I'll never forget, my pastor calls us up to the front of the service, to the front of the church. And the whole church gathered around us and prayed for us and prayed for Dina. And I remember her, she was just as 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 as, as stone faced and as you just as peaceful as I've ever seen her. And I'm I'm telling you guys, I, I was a nervous wreck. You know, I don't know if you want to call it nervous because the surgery coming up the next day, or nervous about because the conviction that I was carrying around in my heart that I wasn't living the way I needed to live. Even though the outside looked like I was, I had all the clothes and the head knowledge and was dressed that way. I looked like a, a guy in a three-piece suit, but I, on the inside, I was just filthy. I was rags. I was nothing. I was garbage. 24 hours later, I was a single. I was a widower. You know, Dina went into surgery and never came out. And that's when my life kind of went into a spiral. 
Um, wasn't long after that, you know, the, the kids, her kids moved in with her aunt as per her wishes, which was, you know, we already had that. I knew that was going to happen. Um, but I was alone. Alone, big house, no family, no friends. Because eventually, you know, when people die, you know, folks come around, they bring food, but that stuff stops eventually. People quit calling. They don't know what to say. They don't know what, they don't know how to act. And if I could tell you anything, if you go through this or you've got somebody you know that's going through that, 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 that period of their life where they've lost somebody and they're grieving, you don't have to say anything. The best thing you can do is just be there. The best times I had after that happened were the times where friends of mine would just come and sit with me, hang out with me. And it was the times that when I got off by myself, those were the dangerous ones. You know, there was one, about a year after she passed away, there was one incident, and uh, not a lot of people know about this, and I'm going to share it today, but there was one incident where, you know, I had got really, really low, and I got really depressed, and I had moved out of the house we had shared together and was living in another house over on the river. And it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had quit going to church. I had quit going around my friends. The guys that supported me and had, were her pallbearers and, and had loved me and prayed for me. Uh, I, had, I had cast myself away from all that. I didn't want anything to do with the Lord. I didn't want to hear about Jesus. I didn't want to talk to the pastor. I didn't want to talk to anybody that had anything to do with Jesus Christ. But needless to say, I had got off into a whiskey bottle pretty hard, and I was pretty drunk. And I remember I was sitting on the dock down below my house. And if you if you know where I lived at the time, the house, the road was elevated above the house. So the driveway was up on top and you had to walk down a flight of stairs to the front of the house and then walk down further down to where you go to the edge of the river and the dock. I was sitting down there on that dock at one o'clock in the morning with a bottle of whiskey in one hand and a Smith & Wesson's 357 in the other, trying to talk myself into pulling a trigger. I had decided that, that I wasn't worth living. I, it, it wasn't worth it. The pain was too great. I couldn't get past my grief. I, I had, you know, in the meantime, I had been promoted at work. I was making more money. Yeah, I was working 90 hours a week and, and had poured myself into that, but I was just purely unhappy with my whole life. I was miserable. And, you know, I had got to a point to where I was listening to what the enemy was telling me, and he was telling me that I was worthless. He was telling me that I was never going to get out of this, that nobody else would ever love me, nobody else would ever care about me, nobody else would would uh, would would care if I lived or died. You know, I didn't get to see my kids on a regular basis, so what difference would it be if I wasn't here anymore? Those were the kind of things that were going through my mind at that time in my life. You know, and, and, and I'm going to tell you guys, if you have somebody that is close to you that has lost somebody like that, I don't care if it was an accident. I don't care if it was in surgery. I don't care if it was a suicide. I don't care what it was. If they've lost somebody, be there for them, okay? Don't leave them alone. Even if they try to push you away, if they tell you they don't want you around, do not leave them alone. Show them that you love them. Show them that you care for them. Show them that you're going to be there and be consistent in their lives. Don't allow, and I'm not saying smother them, 
what I am saying is be there for them and love on them and care about them and show Christ to them. Continue to do the things that the Lord tells us to do. But that night, I was I was sitting on that on that pier. Uh, I had uh, I had decided that I was gonna you know I, I I was done. And out of the blue, my phone rang. It was my father. And he said, son, he said, I can see you. Now, you got to know something about my dad. My dad was, he was a pretty stoic cat. He didn't say a lot. But when he spoke, it was important. And you better listen. And I said, what do you mean you can see me? And he said, son, I can see you. And I turned around and looked over my shoulder, and I saw headlights shining off of the top of the house, and it was my daddy in his truck. And to this day, I don't know if the Lord woke him up and told him to come check on me or if he just couldn't sleep or what. And this is something that him and I never talked about again, and I don't know that he ever shared it with anybody else. But my daddy saved my life that night. My daddy's the reason I'm still here today. Because if he hadn't took the urging of the Holy Spirit if it, or whatever it was, whether it was Holy Spirit, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit woke him up that night because he only lived a couple miles down the road from where I did. If the Holy Spirit hadn't woke him up, I wouldn't be here today. I'd have been another cautionary tale. I'd have been another lost life. I'd have been another, another, another has-been, never was. And I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you. But, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's how God uses these moments. That's another spiritual graveyard in my life. It's a place that I can go back. Yeah, it's a dark time in my life, you know. It's not a time that I like to think about, you know. I mean, it, it, there's times where I think about it and I get real emotional, you know, and I can all I can do is cry about it. But when it comes down to it, it's another one of those places that I can go back and I can look at that covered up spot in the ground and I can say, you know, I'm not that man anymore. I don't have those thoughts anymore. I don't allow the enemy to get me to a point to where he's got me pinned in a chokehold on the ground where I think I can't get loose. Again, I had all the head knowledge. I just didn't know how to apply it. I knew what the Bible told me. I knew what God's word was. I knew what all the books that I had read and that I had journeyed through with all that stuff, but I didn't know how to apply it. You know, and then I went through a period for a while to where frankly, I was just whoring around. I was not a good man. I was not a good man to the ladies in my life. I was not a good man to the women in my life, you know? Um, you know, I, I did things that, frankly, I'm not proud of, you know. Um, I, if I could share anything with young men, if you're hearing this, be absent until you get married. You know, old Sasquatch was was like that old cur dog that rambles around the countryside. I was, I was not very particular about who I spent my private time with. And, and I wasted a lot of time and a lot of myself and a lot of my soul on people that have no earthly connection to me, you know? Uh, and it all comes down to with the drinking and the whiskey and the, and, the, and, the, and the sex and the pornography and all these things that were in my life prevalent, you know, the things that I was fighting and I was dealing with, it all comes down to one thing. I was trying to fill a hole in my life I tried to fill it with my first marriage, that didn't work. Tried to fill it with my second marriage and it was doing okay and then she was gone and it still didn't work. 
So then I tried the drinking and I tried the, the illegitimate girlfriends and the one night stands and all these things that I did to ultimately, you know, would, would, would harm me, you know, that were not beneficial to me, not beneficial to my life. They were not pleasing in, in God's sight. I did all these things to try to fill a hole that was God sized that I could never fill. There was no amount of money, no amount of sex, no amount of porn, no amount of whiskey, no amount of women, no amount of cars, no amount of trips, ball games, hunting, none of these things that, 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 that I was doing was filling that hole in my life. My job wasn't filling that hole in my life. And then God, God brings me Hannah, you know, um, in spite of all the things I was doing wrong, God introduced me to this little girl from St. Clair County, Alabama, that loved Jesus and loved me. She taught me and has taught me and continues to teach me what agape love means. She teaches me every day what a Proverbs 31 woman looks like. She shows me that she sacrifices for me. She sacrifices for my children. She sacrifices for our home. She, she, she does all these things because she loves Jesus more than she loves me. And it's because of her I'm here today. Because she, she by no means should have loved a fellow like me. I, would, I am not the guy I would have picked for her. But God, God has a way of working in our lives when we least expect it. God has a way of, of, of opening doors for us um, when we need them to be opened up. And, you know, these last couple of years, God used, has used her and continues to use her to show me Christ's love of another person, but how to see somebody through Christ's eyes, how to see somebody through, through, through his eyes and not through man's eyes. Because... You know, there's there's things about me that, that if you saw me, truly saw me, you know, through the world's eyes, you think, man, that dude's that dude's low down, he's dirty. You know, he's a scary he's a scary guy. She don't see that in me. She sees God's love in my heart. She sees the, the guy that would give his shirt off his back for his neighbor, that would, would would lay down his life for his best friend. You know, that's the guy she sees. That's the guy that frankly I wanna be for her. I wanna be that guy every day. You know, I want to be that rock. I want to be that leader. She makes me want to be spiritually pure. She makes me want to keep doing the things that I'm doing. To Like I said a while ago, to this goal of, of this self-awareness that I've come up on. You know, and it, it's funny. You know, it took COVID. You know, COVID of all things. You know, we've sat around for a year and we've complained about how bad COVID was. You know what? God has used this time in COVID in my life to open my eyes and my ears and my spirit to things that I never opened my eyes and my ears and my spirit to before. I hear him more clearly now than I ever have in my entire life. You know, so don't discount a time of seclusion. Don't discount a time of being pulled back and being shut down. Because those are the times where the Holy Spirit's trying to speak and you've got to listen to what he's saying in order to get the message that he's putting out. You know, about this time last year, you know, I started having these thoughts and, and, and like, you know, I got to get my life straightened out. You know, I started really praying. I started digging in the word. I started 
started doing all these things. And then I went and talked to my pastor. My pastor, you know, he kind of sat me down and he kind of chastised me a little bit because I hadn't been around and I hadn't done this and I hadn't done that. And I told him, I said, I said you know, I had to ask for forgiveness. I had, to, I had to ask him for forgiveness because I felt like I had let him down as, as, as a man in his church. And I hadn't. But it, it was one of those things to where I had to make peace with who I was and I had to make peace with, with who I was going to be. And I had to understand that who I was going to be may not necessarily be the guy that I thought I was in the first place. You know? So, you know, we sit here today and, you know, I've been rambling for the last 30, 35 minutes or so and, and, and just kind of telling you a kind of a disjointed story. But, you know, these spiritual graveyards that I'm talking about, you know, we've all got them. And as you go back and you visit these spots in your life, whether it was when you were baptized or where you got saved or you lost somebody or you gained somebody or you walked away from somebody, whatever it is, whether it was from a divorce or, or an event, whatever, you know, you can always go back and look at these graveyards in your life and be like, you know, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that girl anymore, you know. You can always go back and, and, and have that thought of, man, look where my life has changed. You can always see God's hand evident in your life if you look hard enough, if you just get still and listen. And, and that's what I'm trying to tell you today, uh, fellas, is, is just slow down long enough to listen to what the Lord says. Slow down long enough to to hear what he's got to say. Don't Don't get in such a hurry. You know, if COVID has taught me anything, is sometimes, son, you just got to slow down and listen to what God says. Sometimes you just got to sit with what he's trying to tell you. You know, I, I, I've been fortunate. You know, I, I've had some great, a great man, uh, Mr. Frank. And if he hears this, I love you and I appreciate you. Uh, he's an elderly gentleman in my church that's kind of, I asked my pastor, I said, I said, Brother John, I said, I need a spiritual guide. I need somebody that knows the Bible front and back, knows how to apply it to help disciple me, because I'd never had that in my life before. I had never had a man sit down with me across the table and go through the Bible, ever. And in the last year, you know, me and Frank Hobson, Mr. Frank as I call him, have chopped up the book of Romans, and I think we're only about seven chapters in, you know. Sometimes we talk a lot about what God's telling us in his word. Sometimes we just talk about our families or what we're dealing with. But it's those times where it gives me an opportunity to see life from a biblical perspective and actually gain some insight and knowledge in God's word and chop up God's word. So don't take it, don't, 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 don't miss out on the opportunity to, to have that conversation. You know, to find, if you don't have a disciple, a man that disciples you in your life, I don't care if you're 15 or you're 55, find a man that knows the word and spend time with him in the word. You know, but then the other part of that is too, is that private one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord. You know, God's been waking me up at 4.30 in the morning a lot here lately. You know, he's been waking me up. He's been getting me up, telling me, come on, big boy, let's go talk. And sitting in my office at home, some of the sweetest times I've had with the Holy Spirit in the last six months, 
just sitting in here, being silent, reading his word, listening to a little bit of praise music in the background or a little gospel in the background, and the Lord just reached down and touched me on the back of the head or hit me on the, hit me on the neck and just touched me, and you can just feel that fire come over you. And if you know what I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel the Holy Spirit's presence so thick in, in your room or wherever you're at. You know, I've done things and I've, 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 I've stepped out of my comfort zone. Doing this podcast is one of those things that I'm doing. There are men out there today that don't have an outlet, that don't have somebody speaking truth to them in a way that they can understand it. And I'm not saying that they don't have a pastor, they don't have this, they don't have that. They need a real guy. Just a dude, and that's all I am. Is just a dude. I ain't, I ain't nothing special. I ain't nothing important. I'm just a guy. Bottom line, just a guy. I'm just a guy that 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 felt like the Lord was telling him, "Hey, man, it's time to you need to do something with all this head knowledge you've got. You need to do something with this. You need to do something. You got a face for radio. You know, my, my mama used to tease me when I was younger." In high school, she told me I had Barry White's voice. You know, she liked to hear me talk on the, on the radio and hear me sing. But it's one of those things that, you know, you got to use the talents that the Lord gives you for the Lord's purposes. And I couldn't have done this two years ago. I couldn't have done it ten years ago because my heart wasn't prepared for it. My mind wasn't prepared for it, but ultimately my spirit wasn't prepared for what God was going to do with my life. So, so guys, you know, as you're going through your day, you know, if you hear this, you're going through your day next week. If you get a chance, stop and slow down. You know, pull over on the side of the road, go for a walk, go for a boat ride, go sit in the woods, whatever it is you do to relax. And think about the spiritual, spiritual graveyards in your life. Think about the places where you planted something that, 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 that ain't going to get dug up but it's a marker that shows that, that you're a different man today. And if you don't know what you you know what your spiritual graveyards are, you 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 got any any question about it, you know you can always look me up on Instagram. You can look me up on Twitter. Um, you know I would love to talk to you. Um, you know my my Twitter handle or my Instagram handle is Moses underscore Mosley, and then my Twitter handle is at Moses Mosley. So. If you hear this and, and you, you don't understand or you want to know more about my story, I would I would love to talk to you. I would love to pray with you. I was, uh, you know, today was a special day for me. That, you know, I'm recording this on a Sunday, March the 7th. I got to be in worship for the first time in over a year. You know, live, in-person worship. Unfortunately, my wife, you know, we're still kind of battling the COVID thing here and, 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 and it just didn't feel safe for her to go yet but I got to go sit in church and I got ne- got to sit next to one of my best friends in the world, Dondi and I got to worship with him and I got to raise my hands when they were playing graves and gardens and the whole time I'm thinking God how sweet this is to be able to be in the presence of the Lord with other believers and be able to to raise my hands without fear, without a, without without hesitation, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's just a great thing to be in the body of Christ. It's a great thing to be a Christian man today. I know we face so many challenges. We face so many tough situations, 
guys, if you need help, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm praying for you. I just pray that God use this opportunity, you know, as we keep going through dry bones, guys. I hope that, that this thing grows and takes off. I, you know, I want this thing to, to bless other men and to give them encouragement, give them a time to, to sit back for 40, 45 minutes and just listen to an old redneck talk. Every once in a while, you're going to have my friends on here. We're going to talk about different things over the next couple of months. And I'm excited about all that. But if we don't do anything but sit here and talk about Jesus, then that's all we need to do. This has been another episode of Dry Bones, rattling the foundations of a generation. I appreciate your time. I love you, and I'm praying for you. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day.